0: Well, good evening. Um, you're going to have to get used to the accent, because it's here to stay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've been here for three months. We arrived uh, the week before the table conference, which was a bit of a whirlwind time to enter into your country, but, um, you know, that was a very short synopsis of our story um, We've really felt the Lord speak to us about coming here that week's sabbatical, which was 2016. And it took two and a half years for that to become a reality. And I'm not a very patient person. So the Lord really did loads in that process in our hearts, um, in our family, in preparing us to be ready for what he has here. And I just want to say that, you know, um, we've been leading churches since um, 2003 various different sizes and the church that we were last in um had an influence which meant people were coming to it a lot so Andy and I had the the privilege and the responsibility of like visiting different churches doing church weekends around the UK um and I just want to say that do you really know what you have here because it is incredible It is um, what the Celts would call a thin space, where heaven meets earth, where if you're a prophet, you walk in and suddenly the fog has cleared, the cloud has lifted, and you can hear the Lord in a whole new way. That was certainly my experience in that week's sabbatical. And I just want to say, I am so absolutely thrilled to be here and I'm honored to be here and those can sound like words but they're not words because we travailed to be here we prayed to be here we gave up everything to be here and I'm going to be here until he moves me on (laughs) and I'm so 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 excited of what he wants to do you know um we can take it for granted that's the thing we can take it for granted because we're used to it But this is absolutely amazing. And so um, Chad asked me on Tuesday, thanks Chad for Tuesday, um, if I would speak on Sabbath. And the reason he asked me that was because, like he said, I spent probably about six months really researching this topic for a last piece of work at seminary. And um, the reason that I sort of got into that topic in the first place was because I noticed that there were a lot of people... Ministers mainly who I was in circles with who were exhausted and who were living a life that didn't look joy filled, if I'm honest. And so I wanted to really dig out scripture, I wanted to dig out what other theologians thought about Sabbath, and I wanted to come up with a, a piece of research that would speak into the do- denomination that we were in at the time. And um, it took me six months, and so I have got. 26 minutes so I've chosen three passages of scripture because what I want to do is I want to do the same process that I went on in that piece of work because this is what I found I actually I actually interviewed um the ministers the pastors I actually interviewed them as part of my research and this is what I found they all knew in their heads what sabbath was They could have all preached a sermon on it. They could have preached a sermon series on it. They maybe could have even written a book on it, some of them, because they were academics. But none of them actually lived it out. Their orthodoxy, their doctrine was amazing. But their orthopraxy was really, really poor, what they actually did. And if I'm honest, that's probably the case for us. It certainly has been the case for me. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to go through three passages of Scripture. I want to look at what does the Bible actually say about Sabbath. And then I want us to think about, okay, so what are we actually doing? Is that okay? So our first one is, I want to actually um, call up Exodus 31. Okay. The Israelites are to observe the, the Sabbath celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. Go on. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So this piece of scripture speaks straight into the creation narrative, okay? We know that the Lord created the earth in six days, and then on the seventh day he rested But that word there, that word refreshed, in the Hebrew, this is what it means. He exhaled. The process of creation, those six days, was like a big inhale. inhale. And then on the seventh day, he exhaled. And if you know anything about science or biology, you know that it's impossible To continuously inhale. If you just sit there right now in your seat and you try it. Just try it. You have to exhale. So even in the way the Lord has created our bodies. There is a rhythm of inhale and exhale. Right from the very beginning, the Lord created a rhythm. And then we know that he gave them the Ten Commandments, which was actually before this passage in Exodus 20. So if we can bring that up. So in creation, we have this rhythm. And then in Exodus 20, we have the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. Thank you. The context is so, so important for the Ten Commandments. Because right at the very beginning, if we can get verse one back up, the Lord makes it really clear that He's putting the law into His people, His people who had been in severe oppression, severe slavery. We know when we read Exodus at the very beginning that Pharaoh was a taskmaster that he wasn't satisfied with the work that they were able to do. He piled the pressure on and on and on. And then he removed the resources from them to make the bricks and made them make it with the bricks and to go and find the straw. He was insatiable in his desire for the Hebrews to make for him. And that's really, really key because... He speaks, the the Lord speaks into that, into that story, into that place, into that history. And this is what he says. Remember that I removed you from that. I removed you from that. My heart is not oppression. My heart is not captivity. My heart is not that you would be slaves. My heart is that you would have a place In your week, where you remember that I am your God. Where you remember that I delivered you. Where you remember that I'm your provider. Where you remember that I'm your father. And so when I've grown up in a church culture, when I hear Ten Commandments, what I hear is, do not, do not, do not, do not, do not. And actually what the Lord is saying here is, look what I want to give you. Look what I want to give you. Look at this freedom. Look at this space. Look at this gift of Sabbath. Sabbath is a time for us to align back to the nature of God. The inhale and the exhale of the nature of God. It's key to who he is. He showed us right from the very beginning, it's who he is. And then he puts a structure in place and says, this is how I want you to live. But it's also really easy for us to look at the Old Testament. And I know we ha- this happens a lot in England. I don't know this culture as, as well yet. But for us to look at the Old Testament and say, well, that was the Old Testament. You know, we're in a new covenant now. You know, we're in a different season now. It's not the same anymore. Excuses, excuses, excuses. And so I think it's really important that we also look at new covenants. So we've also got Matthew 12. Because Jesus himself said something very, very special into Sabbath. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And you know, I've even read the New Testament scriptures on Sabbath and thought, well, yeah, but you know, Jesus is kind of always fighting the religious spirits. He's always fighting those religious leaders that made Sabbath a deal. You know, I mean, he heals on the Sabbath, you know, he picks the grain on the Sabbath, you know, come on, it's not that much of a deal, surely. But what Jesus was doing was he was addressing where the law had become heavy where it had become a burden for people. He was not saying, don't do it anymore. He was saying, it's a gift, and I'm the Lord of that gift. You know, Jesus was a Jew, which meant that he lived with Sabbath rhythm in his life from birth. Sometimes we forget that. We forget the, the temple, the synagogue, the rhythm of his life. But he will have done Sabbath every single week. And his disciples will have done it. And the early church did it. Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath. And as I studied more and more, the other thing that I felt with New Covenant was there's an even deeper reality than one day of the week. Because the Lord of the Sabbath lives in me. There is a rest that the Lord calls his people to that's not about one day a week or one week of vacation a year, but it's about a minute by minute, day by day experience of what it means to be a people without anxiety, to be a people who deeply know that they are in a place of rest because they know who their father is. And here's the thing. With scripture, this is what it says. In Sabbath, do you know who you are and whose you are? Because that's what Sabbath tells us. It tells us who you are. You're a child of the Father. You know, in in most of our relationships, um, dependency is a bad thing. You know, if you've got little kids, they are dependent on you. That's the way it works. But as an adult-to-adult relationship, it's not about dependency any longer. And if it is, then there's something wrong and we need to talk about prayer ministry. But there's one relationship in our lives as an adult we need to always be dependent. And that's with our Heavenly Father. We are created to be children of a father. We are created to be in a relationship Where he wants us to come to him, where he wants us to be dependent on him. And what Sabbath does is it tries to remind us of that reality because we are so good at walking in the other direction and being independent. That was one of the temptations of the fall. I will be like God, I will provide for myself. I will keep myself knowing what I think is okay and be in control. And what Sabbath does is it reminds us that he is in control. That he is the provider. And that he is the ultimate source of everything in our lives. One of the best books that I read on this was by a man called Peter Scazzaro. And he's written loads on being emotionally healthy. Emotionally healthy church, emotionally healthy leader, you know, it's a good marketing, marketing put my teeth in, marketing tool. <laughs> but he's also a very good author. He's a very good author. And um, he, he said that he read pretty much every book he could find on Sabbath. And he looked at every single word study there was throughout Scripture. And this is what he came up with. Sabbath is a 24-hour period which requires stop, rest, delight, and contemplate. See, it'd be really easy for us to go, yeah, I can hear what she's saying. You know, I have a weekend. It's fine. Or, yeah, I have a day off. You know, I only work six days a week but there's something so much more intentional. There's something so much deeper that the Lord was calling his people to. In that 24 hour period, skazaro talks about it being a place of no social media, no emailing, no talking about work, no household chores. A place of celebration of family, of food, of feasting, of presence, of being present. Like, when you look at it like that, I mean, it offended me, if I'm honest, when I first read it. I was like, well, that's ridiculous. How could we do that? But doesn't that just show you where we're at as a culture? 24 hours? I mean... If we put that in place, imagine what revival could come. And here's the thing. Here's the challenging thing. Cause I've only got 12 minutes left. The Lord calls us to be hearers and doers of the word. James 1.22, I think we have the screen, says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. I do not want to be deceived. Do you want to be deceived? I want to live a life that genuinely shows the transformation and the glory and the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I want to live that. I've always want to live that since I've come back to him 21 years ago. It's, it's driven me. That passion and that hunger and that desire. But here's the thing. We actually have to do the word. You know, and this is what I've noticed. I've noticed that we're very, very good at knowing the word. But we have to live the word. We have to step out on it. It has to become flesh within us. It has to become part of our story, part of who we are. It can't just be something that we know or something that we've memorized. It has to become our life is built on it because we have to become like the wise man that built his house upon a rock because the rain will come. The circumstances and stresses will come. But are our lives built on him, on the rock? And this is the thing. The research that I did... There were lots and lots of reasons why people said they didn't really live with Sabbath. They were really busy. They had lots of demands. Their children did certain things on certain days. The pastoral crisis always seemed to happen on the day off. But when I reflected on a lot of those reasons, all of them were external, you know? But the reality is this, the reason we don't live with Sabbath is internal. It's not external. We don't have a problem on the Ten Commandments wondering about whether or not we should murder someone. We don't have a problem thinking about whether stealing is wrong or adultery is wrong. But somehow we convince ourselves that it's okay to live without Sabbath. And we don't even call it sin. And there's two reasons why we do that. The first one is this. Because in our culture, the culture that we live in, the culture that also disciples us apart from Jesus, it tells us this. Don't murder anyone and don't steal anything. But it's fine to overwork. And it's really easy for us to think we're purists and that we're not discipled by our culture. But I want to tell you something. When I went to university, I was 18 years old. I left home. I moved two hours away in the UK to train to be a midwife. I did not have something called a mobile phone. I used to save up all my 10p pieces, which looked like a quarter for those of you that are not English. And I would save them up through the week because once a week, I had to walk for a mile to something called a payphone. Now, you lot over here, you will have never heard of that kind of thing, okay? (laughs) But it was a payphone. And what I had to do was you pick up the handle, okay, and you put the money in. And then you dial the number. And then you get through to your parents' And you speak to them once a week for the amount of 10 Ps that I could collect for a week. Because there were no such things as mobile phones. Well, there were, but they were for really rich people, and they were like this big. Um, and we weren't. So I was at college. Um, but now I have this thing called an iPhone XR. And I think that if I lose it, I will genu- genuinely lose my mind. Like, I start to panic when I don't know where it is in the house. Does anybody else do that? My culture has discipled me to a place where I believe that thing is absolutely necessary to my life. Absolutely necessary. We are blind if we think we're not being discipled by culture. Because we are. And there's lots of things in culture that are really, really good. But it's just we need to have our eyes opened. You know, when you travel around the world, um, there's certain places that you can go where you can see the worship of other gods really obviously. Um, If you go to India or Asia, you know, the Hindu gods and temples, they they literally make statues, you know. Um, We've been around a lot in Europe and you go to Catholic places and there's shrines and there's people kissing things and, you know, for us it's really strange But again, it's really, really easy for us to convince ourselves that we don't have those other gods here. I I just want to say those gods are invisible here, but they're here. They are here. They're called mammon and materialism and consumerism and individualism. And they're all reasons why we don't practice sabbath because we're driven we're driven like pharaoh drove the hebrews we're driven to have more stuff we're driven to have bigger houses we're driven to have more cars we're driven to have more food experiences We're we're driven we're driven we're driven we're driven but we don't like to think we are there are gods in this culture and the lord is calling bridgeway to use sabbath as a resistance to those things sabbath is a resistance it says actually no i'm not driven by those things out there i'm driven by him i'm driven to him i'm dependent on him and that is what i will stick my reality into that will become my reality not what's out there so that's the first thing is our culture the second thing The second reason I think we don't do Sabbath is because our identity issues. I think that from a very young age, and maybe it's partly to do with being discipled in the culture, I think we struggle with two key temptations that Jesus also struggled with in the in the wilderness ambition and approval. Ambition says, I am what I achieve. And approval says, I am what others say I am. You know, ambition is about, I have to do more. I have to produce more. I have to show more of who I am. I have to be successful. I have to produce. I have to tick off my list. I have to have done a task. If I'm honest with you, mine is not that issue. My issue is more what do people say about me? And in 2013, I nearly burnt out in ministry and I got to a point where I wanted to resign. And when I reflected on why that was, it's because there were things that were driving me that were about wanting others to approve of me. I would overstretch myself continually because I wanted people to like me. I wanted to please people, I wanted to do a good job from their perspective. But what that meant was my Sabbath was eaten away, my mind space was eaten away, and anxiety drove me. And that's not a great place to be. The Lord is calling us to be a home of peace, a habitation of peace. You know, Jesus is really, really good news. And if he isn't being good news to you right now, there's something wrong in the gospel you believe. He is always good news. So even if when you hear this teaching, there's a level of conviction about your rest-work-life balance, it's because he's good news. It's because he wants to deliver you like he delivered the Israelites. He wants us to be good news to Greenville. He wants us to show a different way of living. Not to just get caught up in the way that everyone does it. But actually to recognize that what he has given us is a gift not just for us but for others. You know, um, I'm very good at convincing myself that I'm fine. It's something I've noticed in the culture here a little bit. But... If you know that you're weary and you're tired and there's bitterness or you're overstretched, you've got compassion fatigue, Jesus wants to minister to you. It says it brilliantly in the message. I'm going to leave you with this last bit of scripture from Matthew 11. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That is Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: That was awesome. I want to invite Janelle, Wendy, and Micah. To the stage, And I want us to break this down practically yep. of how it's playing out yep. in our lives. Was there anyone else that I wanted to come on stage? I don't think so. You did awesome. Thanks. Okay. You guys have probably heard Wendy talk about the golden circle. If you haven't heard uh, the TED talk from a Brit, by the way, I can't remember his name. Uh, if you Google the TED talk... On the golden circle, it's the, it's the why, what, and how of anything. And from a 100,000 viewpoint, uh, I prophesied on the Coach and Joe podcast about this Sabbath thing in December. You preached last week. You talked tonight. So God's talking to us about something. And the why is fun. Like I love going back to the whole Pharaoh thought process. We're in 2019 in the deep south of the United States of America. You have kids at a certain age that are younger than Anwin's kids. Janelle's empty nester. Me and Wendy have 15. Uh, are you an empty nester yet? Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: except while Olivia lives at home. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then me and Wendy have 15, 12, and 9. So in other words, I'm, I'm very skeptical of just saying this is what Sabbath looks like, Right? So there's two conversations here with Sabbath. Uh, There's the 24-hour gap. And then there's something else you mentioned about something we carry internally. All right. I want to start with Janelle. I got you. You texted uh, me and Wendy while we were in Israel. You started reading a book from a pastor in Portland. He pastors a church called Bridgetown. And I'm halfway. Yeah, go figure. And maybe God's real. And I'm halfway through it right now. I'm a little bit past halfway. And it's... It's a lot of this Eden conversation, a lot of this conversation. You and Tennyson are how far into a journey of literally taking a literal Sabbath? When when did you start this?
2: We're four weeks in. Tell me about it. So I um, actually, Jen Hubble posted on her Facebook, and I immediately just felt led to read the book. And um, it's a quick book, and so I got through it and just felt a real deep conviction about doing the Sabbath. Um, I own my own business, I can work 14 hour days, do work 14 hour days. Um, last year I was working them consecutively for like six to eight weeks and I just kept telling God like I cannot keep doing this I can't keep doing this but he kept sending me more clients and I'm like what do you want for me and it was funny because I mentioned it to tennis and I said I really feel like the Lord's on this and we really need to just start Sabbath and he said it's really funny you mentioned that somebody who's mentoring me said the exact same thing to me this week and so we just did like three days later we just did we said okay everything's shutting down for the next 24 hours. What has, it'd it be real practical here, what has it been like for you? Um, the first week, it was a little bit tough, just in the way that we unplug from everything. So, social media, phones. Uh, it was funny, because we felt really a need to watch a movie, <laughs> because we're like, what would you do with 24 Hours if you didn't have TV? <laughs> but, you know, it had to be a holy movie, so we watched Prince of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> so, so that's what we did with our first And then it was so funny because we're actually doing it With the Fannins as well, they live with us And so the first week we did it just as a family And then the second week we invited them in And it was so funny that first week We longed to have Sabbath again Like we literally every day got up In excitement for why? when will Sabbath come next Why? Um, it was like taking a holiday I, I saw the postman deliver the mail And I thought, why are they doing that? <laughs> Just because we literally never shut down unless it's Christmas or Thanksgiving. And so um, for us, it it was like Christmas for us. And to get to do that every week and just to be together as a family with a young adult at home, we're going three different directions at all times. And she's been able to join us, and it's been so sweet.
1: What would we do if we had revelation that Sabbath was warfare against the enemy? Because when you take a day off, and a day's a day. We're not talking about metaphorically what we really mean is 30 minutes. When you take a day off, what you're really saying is, Father, I trust you. I don't have to get done what I'm trying to get done. What if our families are falling apart and we're so over-medicated and we're in counseling sessions so much because we're ignoring what he calls sin? I'm just saying. Uh, Wendelina, last recently we started getting up earlier with the kids. We have a a breakfast time together. We just connect. It's not deeply spiritual. We're not prophesying over each other. Well, a little bit we are, but Rithy did. Um, what what has it been like for you watching our family take time? Explain what we're doing in the mornings and what has it been like for you since we started this?
3: Yes. Well, we have three children. A 10-year-old, as of yesterday, yeah. Ruthie's in seventh grade, she's about to be 13 next week, and then, of course, Sam is 15 on on the verge of 16, and it has, uh, we have tried this several times, because we're good Christian people, <laughs> and we Help people walk in friendship with God, which means we need to talk to Him as a family together as often as possible. So, in many of our attempts, uh, they've gone south real fast. Which then we throw in our personalities, and we say, "Well, this just isn't for us." You know, I can't be your Jesus for you. You need to meet with the Lord yourself. We go on that route, and it that doesn't work either. So, so Chad and his and his quality leadership for our family said, by golly, I'm going to get up and make bacon and that's going to wake everybody up. And it has.
1: Uh, even, my, even our dog preacher its really funny. He usually sleeps in and when He's he smells it, he beggar. loses his mind now in the morning.
3: <laughs> He's turned into a beggar. But what it's done, uh, what it's done for us is, uh, you know, the Lord said a few years ago, structure, 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 and that can just feel like such an awful word. And I really wanted to graduate from that word on a personal level, and it just hasn't happened yet. And, it, and it's, because, it's because his rhythms involve structure. These lungs have structure. That's why I can breathe in and breathe out. If I did not have it, if something failed, I would no longer have the capacity to do what feels so effortless right now. That's the purpose for it. So for us, on a daily rhythm, it's been about rhythm change for us as well as as God helping to helping us to repent on on what we've called Sabbath, which has been nothing; it's null. And He's helping us to begin to value what He values. And we're certainly uh, not not in a position. We're still taking lots of notes. And when we are not in a position to be able, Chad and I are not in a position to be able to talk about this. So thank you so much for for helping give us language tonight Um, but what it's done for us with rhythm changes in our home has been to start our day uh, with a sense of rest to begin our mindsets in a place of rest in a place of calm and uh so bacon has helped with that as it initiates (laughs) us into the kitchen area and, um, and we sit down, and by a certain time, all the devices go away. All the Chromebooks are fully charged. And if they're not too bad, so sad. It's not going to happen right now. And, um, and we, we place everything uh, away. We sit down with our breakfast. Uh, Chad reads to us something that takes maybe five minutes, six minutes tops. He asks each person a question. Each one of us responds. And we pray for one another. And then it's 7.30 and it's ready to grab your backpack and walk out the door. And it has created um, an expectation in our home that we are going to start our day together with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has pr- it, nothing has changed about our schedule this week. In fact, this is the week that we've added on longer practices for golf and track and field. We didn't have that last week. And yet, we've been so calm. It's been so calm.
1: One of of the things we've been doing for a while, and I would say we probably have a 70% success rate. We're trying to get higher than that is on Monday nights, we have family night. Because remember, we're trying to make this practical. Yeah, we Uh, started there, for sure. We started there a while back. um, Obviously, not successful 100% of the time. But, man, we're moving in the right direction the last couple of years. Uh, What we haven't done yet, and I'm looking forward to do, is what you talked about, that 24-hour period. Uh, Micah, let me ask you this. Obviously, you preached on it last week. What is one practical step that a Westerner can step into making this a reality? Because if we're not careful, you'll make it unattainable. It's like I tell people all the time, before you have confidence in yourself to pray for someone with cancer, just pray for a head cold. I've been teaching people how to walk in healing and pray for healing for 15 years. Start with something small get success and victory there right. and that how can people start?
4: I think first, first off, you know, we talked about it last Sunday and then tonight. I mean, you, you have to really buy into the, the, the why. And um, if that's not clear after the last two weeks, then just simply it's this, you know, I have a, I have a goal in my life to be good friends with God and then One of the top four goals of my life is to be good friends uh, with my wife and my kids. And you can't build friendship without express love. And expressing love looks like turning your attention to something. And turning your attention looks like time. Mm -hmm. And so this is not God being super spiritual. He knows how we work and how relationships build and are taken care of. And so... For us, it's just looking at how can we, with our calendar, build in more time together and put our put our focus on Him. So daily, weekly. So I think it looks different for different people. But one thing you have to remember is this: that you are in control of your schedule. Uh, if you're not in control of it, then the enemy, other people, and the tyranny of the urgent is going to be in control. But if you're not in control of your schedule as much as you can be, you have a 40-hour work week. It looks different for everybody. But this is something you fight for. I fight for it like I fight for anything in the kingdom of God. And it's because I want to be 70 and still cry when I read the Bible. Yeah. I want to be 70 and my kids like me. And my wife still loves me and, and there's passion there. And um, it's just worth the fight. you gotta, you got to cheat on something. You might have to cheat on a friend, say, no, I can't do that because I'm going to go on a date with my wife, you might have to cheat on some, something with work and say no. I'm, I have to spend this time with my kids or with the Lord. Um, but you have to be willing to say no so you can say yes to something that you'll never regret. Yeah.
1: So before Ammon blesses us before we leave tonight at Bridgeway, we help people walk in friendship with God, and now we're to the place where we're going to start training people on how to walk in the way of Jesus. This will be a core class. It will be a track. It will all be put together. We met as a content team this past week. We can't just continue to inspire people to be friends with God without giving practical examples of what that looks like. The the biggest goal I've ever had for my life, my entire life, I really want to be good friends with God. Uh, I didn't ask to be a lead pastor. If I could do what I wanted to do for a living, I would like to take 12 guys at a time into the desert for six months to a year. I, I I feel more comfortable leading like a platoon into the deep recesses of the Father's heart. I do this because it's what the Father wants me to do. I don't say what I'm about to say to put guilt on you at all. I'm not saying you need to do it, but I can tell you when I was in Israel, the Father said, "A lot of the drama chat in your life, you cause it." And I said, "What do you mean?" I was at David's caves when he was hiding from Saul, and the Father gave me a download. And He said, "I always want you to be approachable, but you're way too accessible." Social media, somehow as, as culture has discipled us, we think that anyone in the world should be able to get in touch with you at any time they want to. And we wonder why we're burning out and exhausted. And so what I've done in this season, I'm away from my phone, I'm off all social media because God has showing me, Chad, if you want to go to a place on the mountain with me, you can, but you cannot do it as a Westerner in the way that you're used to. He said, you cannot do it without Sabbath being your mindset all the time. When you said what you said tonight about we don't look at Sabbath as sin, I just about threw a chair across the room. Because the Father doesn't look at this the way we do. He is not even asking us to entertain if we're interested in this. Because once you're given knowledge on something, you're held accountable to it. It is sin. He doesn't say, well, you do kind of live in America. No, he says, you're in my kingdom and this is the rhythm of my kingdom. Oh, but Chad, that's not loving. You're trying to control people in the Sabbath. I'm just the messenger on this thing. (laughs) But my wife and I are committed. We're not going to be passionately teaching about something until we're doing it ourselves. that would be like me teaching naturally supernatural, me not doing it. does that make any sense. And so we want to fail well. We want to fail forward. Uh, But we're giving this thing a go. My wife and I have been really good at this a couple of weeks a year. My wife and I, we go every fall without our kids somewhere. We've done that for a while. I highly value that. I'm really good in spots with this, but I love what you said about this being a consistent thing that we do and who it is that we carry. I'll close with this. Jesus stepped into chaos and brought shalom. Most of his kids do the opposite. Most of God's kids step into peace and bring chaos. Sabbath really is carrying peace. in this my brothers and sisters is what we're going for and I, I am not turning back you, you know there's an assignment on this house to uh, go after the religious spirit in the, in the south this triggers the religious spirit more than anything Mary had a little lamb she would have been a sheep but she joined an overactive church and died from lack of sleep I'm serious <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a couple of practical questions before Anwin prays for us, and I'm serious. When's the last time you spent six hours in solitude? Don't just, just be real. Six hours. When is the last time you took a three-hour walk with God and you asked Him what was on His mind? I'm serious. When is the last time you spent 30 minutes in solitude, just meditating on His goodness? We will have to build four phase threes if this becomes the culture here because people will drive from around the country to go to a church like that, really. Church folks are some of the most anxious, trying-to-please-God people you've ever seen, and a lot of pastors are the most insecure people you ever met in your life. What if we just ask the Father right now? I'm going to pray for us. Pray for <laughs> let's ask the Father right now that what Anwin preached, what, what she preached, let's stand up together. That would be real here. I make a commitment right now. I make a vow before the Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit, and the elders that can hear me. We will not stop until this culture is established here. I don't care what it means. I don't care what it costs. I don't care if the church goes to fourteen people. I'm I'm serious. Father, we just want to be like you and we want your rhythms. And I ask that you forgive us for not seeing this as sin. I repent. I ask that you forgive me. Forgive us. I ask that you would take us on an adventure of discovery of what this looks like. I thank you that there's so many other people talking about this around the country. Thank you. Just just awesome. This is, oh God, I got to tell you all something. This is nuts. The The Father's reminded me of this. There is a Jewish Sanhedrin that still exists. The Jewish Sanhedrin this year, they're not messianic. The rabbi's name is Rabbi Schwartz. I'm not joking. He released the prophetic word for 2019 that this is the year of the Gentile and the Sabbath and Jesus feasting at the or the God feasting at the table of his beloved. Is that right, Tennyson? This is nuts. It's the year of the Sabbath released. I was just in Israel. There's a Jewish Sanhedrin still and gave a prophetic word. This is the year of the Sabbath. Did you know this? This is nuts. Take the hand of the person beside you and I'll bless us. Maybe God's real. In the name of Jesus, may this be a Sabbath house. May we carry so much peace that others just come to us to just learn how to enter an ancient rhythm. I bless this house that we would just realize with Revelation, this isn't a new movement. This thing started with God himself. This is God. Let's just go ahead and join the movement that's already started. Let us not try to create some movement, this big fancy word. Let's just join the movement that already started. Be at peace. Go in peace. God bless.